0: Check one, two.
1: Yep, that's recording. Here we go. One, two, okay. <clears throat>
0: Well, it's a beautiful morning, I wish I uh, felt as good as the morning is, but uh, we'll persevere. Through a Spielman and Hooley podcast this morning. How do you like the view from the back deck, sir? Looks very nice. Yeah. Can't hide money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> well, you can't hide good, and Ohio State is really good, and they will play uh, Miami of Ohio on Saturday at 3.30 p.m. We'll get to the Buckeyes momentarily and everything that Ryan Day had to say on Tuesday about OSU, including my question to him about where correcting without resentment comes from, because my impression nice. of it was, uh, you know, Maybe that's not something football coaches down through the ages have really prioritized, correcting without resentment. But he corrected me on Ohio State history.
1: Okay. And the more wow. I. The, more the guy I that hear, wrote books on it?
0: Yeah. And the more I hear from Ryan Day, um, I'm trying hard not to be a fanboy. I really <laughs> am. I mean, I'm really trying hard not to be because I want to maintain my objectivity because I don't want to set people up for, you know, the kind of disappointment they've had in the past two years where they had great teams and they had a letdown. I've said they're a playoff team. I believe they're a playoff team. Mm-hmm. But the reason why What's I believe it? so strongly in them is shifting from their talent, their depth, their speed, their ability to their coach and to his staff, I might add. I got the chance Tuesday to talk to Mike Yursich, the uh, quarterback's coach. Yeah. I've uh, heard Jeff Hafley talk, heard Al Washington talk. Really impressive staff. Really impressive. Well, the
1: – you can be a fanboy. You can still be objective of what's put out on the field. I mean, I was a fanboy. I'm a fanboy of all the Ohio State coaches. But
0: your, your investment's different. You played. You wore right. the uniform. You, you, you gave everything you had for Ohio State. My investment over the years has been – by uh, by requirement of a detached observer, you know, first at the plane dealer and then in radio. I mean, some guys in radio are not try to be detached. That was kind of born into me in eighteen years at the plane dealer, so it's not com- it's not comfortable for me right. to, to feel my alumni loyalty like I used to when you played, where I'd toss furniture around if right. you guys lost.
1: Well, I think there's that change that you've been talking about within yourself. I mean, it's so I think there's a a way to be able to. Be a fan and root for guys. Uh, Root for Ryan Day. I rooted for Urban Meyer like nobody else. Rooted for Woody Hayes. Still maintain your objectivity because it's interesting for me, like when I was doing college football, people used to say, man, when you do Ohio State games, you are hard on
0: that. They say the same thing to Herbie,
1: yeah. But I'm a fan, and so maybe that's why I'm hard. And, And that's like when I do Minnesota Vikings games. I hear from Viking fans all the time. You seem so much more critical of the Vikings when you do a game, even if they win. I don't think I do. Yeah. I think I'm. Uh, I think people hear what they want to hear, but I can still be a fan. Like, uh, for the example, um, Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, they were they were awful. Well, I followed the Bengals my whole life, yeah. so they were awful. And yes, it's still very possible to re, uh, retain your objectivity and still want guys to succeed. I want every player, you've heard me talk about this all the time, I want every player to do well. Sure. That's. I want every coach to do well. Sure. That's not the case. When they don't do well, that doesn't mean I'm not a fan of that person or I want to see demise come to that person, either personally or professionally. I want them all to do well. So I think you can be a fanboy of Ryan Day and still maintain your objectivity because Ryan Day knows, like every other coach knows, that ultimately they will be judged on wins and losses.
0: Yeah, and I think, uh, as I said the other day, I do think the test for Ryan Day will be uh, maybe a bit further out than I originally thought. I thought, you know, everybody thought, oh, he's losing his quarterback and Urban's not there, and so 2019 is the referendum on Ryan Day. And I don't know why I missed this, because looking back now, you wouldn't say that Larry Coker's first year at Miami was the (laughs) referendum on Larry Coker. I mean, they just rolled. And the next year, they got all the way to the title game against Ohio State before you started to see ah, maybe their prep wasn't exactly what you wanted. Now, I'm not saying that'll happen with Ryan because it went off the cliff with Larry Coker. Right. I'm just saying when you inherit a juggernaut, the the referendum is not can you uh, win with it; it's can you keep it going. And so this will be the test, I think, for Ryan will be three, four years out as the urban influence ebbs out of the program but i really like what i see from ryan from a leadership perspective and from a staff perspective and he's gonna have a hard time hanging on to some of these guys because they're they they're so impressive other people are going to want to come and call i on
1: think them. that's what you want as a head coach is to create that legacy or the quote-unquote tree and even though chip kelly for example isn't having success ryan day originally is spawned oh, yeah. from chip kelly now here's and you talk about the referendum on Ryan Day. One thing that Urban did when, as soon as he arrived, I mean, John Cooper was great at recruiting, right? Yep. Well, Urban took, I think, recruiting even to a higher level. Agreed. And so, what Ryan doesn't have to worry about because he's proven uh, to us, to me at least, that X's knows he gets it. You know, what have I've always said about college football? Everybody that's coaching, 90% of those guys get the X's and O's, and they're going to put their position, guys in position to win. It's all about recruiting. For If I was hiring an assistant coach, before I look and evaluate his skills on the uh, blackboard as far as writing plays up and, and how do you counter things in different schemes and formations, the first thing I'm looking at is what can he do in recruiting? Can he go beat a guy? In Michigan for a great player in Michigan. Can he beat Michigan? Can he beat Notre Dame in a parochial school? Those are the things that I'm looking for if I were hiring a coach.
0: Yeah and just uh, charismatic wise as you sit and listen to Madison, Washington, Halfley, Yursich uh, they don't take a back seat in that area. No. Nor would Ryan Day. Now uh, we have a new feature here on the Spielman and Hooley podcast. You can always email the show Spielman, Hooley, podcast at gmail.com and that is uh, a simplified way to review the podcast. Uh, we've uh, partnered with pleasereviewmypodcast.com. We'll post the link in our show notes. It simplifies the review process on iTunes, and it's important to us that you review the podcast because, you know, we want to keep score. We want to know how we're doing. We want to know if you like it, things we can do to improve it. So, Spiels, we got 42 reviews so far on iTunes. Five stars, the best you can do. Kay. How many five stars do you think we have? out of forty two.
1: Well, you being the CEO, uh and <laughs> and I think you know, people are listening to podcasts because they <laughs> like the two people that are doing the podcast. So I'm gonna say it's a high number. I'll say thirty.
0: Forty one. Really? Forty one out of forty two. Somebody says we're not getting it done. Four stars. <laughs> Four stars. <laughs> that's unacceptable. That's unacceptable, yes. Uh, so, you know, we want to thank uh, JPW Golf. He has the review of the day. He's says, huge fan of Spielman. Chris and Bruce play well off each other. Always love their discussion about the Buckeyes. Uh, glad they hit other topics as well, including their faith. So that's yeah. important to us that you guys like it, and we'll hit on that uh, as we always do uh, later on in this podcast. But uh, go to please review pleasereviewmypodcast.com or just hit the link in the show notes, and uh, and we'll get you going on that. All right, you were talking about Ability to be a fan but be demanding, Yes, which brings us back to the Cleveland Browns and their 23-3 win over the New York Jets. Uh, When I did radio in Cleveland for five years at ESPN 850 WKNR, I was often accused of hating on the Browns, and I was like, I don't hate on the Browns. I just have high standards for them because I'm a fan. I'm trying to balance my um, wisdom from Chris Spielman. It's hard to win any game in the Mm. NFL with my – boy, the Jets were bad and – We only scored two touchdowns against Mm -hmm. a really depleted defense, and I'm not sure that was a good enough performance to make me feel good about a schedule that the next five opponents right now are all 2-0. Well,
1: it's a tough schedule, including the Rams on Sunday night. My standards for Ohio State in college football are different from my standards in the NFL. Ohio State plays an overmatched opponent in Indiana and they need to drop 51 on a team like Indiana yep. and only give up 10. I remember when Ohio State was still winning games last year, but given up a total of four or 500 yards to the opponent. It's a different league yeah. because there should not be a close game when Ohio State plays an inferior opponent because of the discrepancy in the talent level that Ohio State brings as opposed to the opponent brings. The NFL is totally a different animal, especially in the beginning of the year, because it's highly competitive. These are the best players in the world. For example, the Bengals. The Bengals looked awful. I've never seen a defense look so bad and be so dominated in all in my years of actually analyzing NFL games.
0: That shows you didn't do any Bengal games last you know, year. Well,
1: that's true. <laughs> but
0: I'm just telling you what I saw. Sunday is
1: bad. And, you know, that's not me saying – that's the Bengals saying that. And if they're not saying that, then they're not being honest with each other. Correct. But they are saying that. Now, that being said, I promise you that it will be a different Bengals team, especially on the defensive side of the ball, this Sunday. So when you take a look at Cleveland, Baker was 19-35. That's not good enough in today's day and age. Another interception. So he has to get better. Uh, one encouraging thing was the, the, the throw that he made to OBJ, not the touchdown, the one down the sidelines where OBJ made a one-handed catch. Yeah. That was such a beautiful throw that it was uh, remarkable, the touch that he put on that. But I'm judging NFL teams by this. It's purely, Bruce, it's, it's a win-loss thing, man. It is so hard, especially to go on a road on a Monday night when a team still has some optimism, a semblance of hope, although it may be small in the Jets' case, and you're able to come away with a was a 23 to three victory. Correct, and the defense was improved. So, if I'm a Browns fan, I'm going to really learn about my team when they play the Rams. And if they can take care of the Rams, then that I, I think it'll do wonders for their confidence because we look at this Browns team, and there was high ex, high hopes, high expectations. Well. This is a chance for them to live up to those high hopes and high expectations. They had a must-win in Monday night. We both agreed to that with the Jets, no doubt. Now, can they carry that momentum and propel them
0: into the rest of the season? I almost feel like the Rams game is a must-win. Yeah, and I say that because it's home, and then you're at the Ravens. Who it's now the Ravens? T- that'd be the, a great game. The Ravens will get tested. They have the Chiefs this week.
1: <coughs> well, they'll be—they'll have their first loss this week.
0: Uh, Monday, October seventh. Monday night football again. Browns at 49ers. 49ers are playing well.
1: That's a good team. I'm telling you, folks, right now, the 49ers are a good team. Now, they lost their starting left tackle, Joe Staley, which could be a, a potential a issue. Yes. So it's we'll Browns, see how that plays out. With yeah. Miles
0: Garrett. But then it's Seahawks at home, They're also 2 and 0, at the Patriots. Okay. And then the breather comes after that at wow. the Broncos. And the Broncos on the road are never a bargain.
1: No, that playing in that altitude makes a big difference. So it it yeah, I mean I'm optimistic. I, I think defensively was where I wanted to see improvement and we got that improvement. And I think Baker and this offense is still going to uh gel together. Uh, especially if you can get production like that from Odell Beckham Jr. and teams start having to take away OBJ, then, of course, you have Jarvis Landry or Higgins or whoever it may be and Joku. All
0: right, Ryan Clark was critical on the uh, Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt afterward that the Browns are too enamored with trying to feed everybody the ball and not running Nick Chubb enough. I don't really disagree with that. I mean, I know when you have Odell Beckham, I don't think you feed him because you want to, further his star power, I think you feed him because you saw what he can do when he catches <laughs> a slant. I mean, and the catch down the right side. I mean, the dude is a playmaker. If you got him, you better feed him.
1: There's a reason why he but everybody paid else, what he pays and why you yeah. give up what you give up. I
0: wouldn't prioritize necessarily Jarvis Landry, David and Njoku, you know, Higgins and all the other guys uh, in terms of I'm worried about keeping them happy or I'm worried about throwing it a lot. I would run Nick Chubb more. I think that would make them more effective and would help baker mayfield i don't love the fact that he's got more interceptions than any qb in the nfl since he basically became a starter last year
1: i don't uh run the ball just to run the ball i think teams uh call plays in order in depending on what the defensive philosophy is if you have eight man fronts and you're an nfl team you better throw the ball The Bengals were only successful against the Seattle Seahawks because they threw the ball 51 times because Seattle was giving them passes to throw 51 times. That was their only chance to win because if you're trying to run the ball against an eight-man front, if Cincinnati did, they weren't going to even be that close. So a lot of times, whatever the defense is, that dictates what the play calling is. And the other thing with with, um, Baker Mayfield... He's going, I think he has a strong enough personality, which has been proven. I believe that Baker is going to throw to the open guy. He's got to be able to stand there and say, because this happens in any uh, NFL locker room with uh, multiple talented receivers or tight ends, they're always open. Right, yeah, everybody's always open. And all Baker has to say, I'm the quarterback, I'll throw to the guy who I think's open. End of story. Just end it right but there. But he did
0: miss Chubb on the check down on the interception over yeah. the middle. Yeah. And he tends to kind of sometimes, I mean, I love his arm. I His actually this year hasn't been there like it was a year ago. Um, and you do have to force it in there a lot of times in the NFL, but... I don't know, whether it's decision-making or whether that was just an aberration or whatever, but the fact that he's thrown more picks than anybody since he became a starter is not a good sign for this offense.
1: No, and that has to be cleaned up. That's that pure and simple.
0: Uh, 18 carries for Nick Chubb. Uh, to me, that's not enough, and one of the reasons why I say you got to run Nick Chubb more is because you do have Kareem Hunt coming.
1: Yeah, 18 eight carries is, is, is plenty.
0: You like that, huh? I'd, I don't, I'd like to see him well, 22, if we if we had a 12-game season...
1: I'd like to see 22-23. Okay. We have
0: 16 games. That's true. But I'm I'm assuming when Hunt comes on, they're going to share because you have to get Kareem Hunt yeah. in football.
1: Yeah. Um, your point is well taken. Yeah. So we both have a good
0: point. Two truths. Two truths. That's right. It's possible. <laughs> if uh, well, true. You and I would love to see. Yeah, if true. You and I would love to see Master Teague and J.K. Dobbins uh, share some carries. I mean, the Buckeyes against Indiana um, – Phenomenal on the ground. I don't know what Miami of Ohio is so overmatched here. What? Um, Chuck Martin had the greatest. Chuck oh Martin is the head God. coach. The greatest line ever. Chuck Martin's the head coach at Miami, and his assessment of this was
1: that it's like when you're picking teams on the playground, but Ohio State gets to pick the, the first, 85
0: first 85 picks. First 85 picks. <laughs> like picking teams at recess. Ohio State gets the first 85 picks. And when I saw that, I thought, well, he's not wrong. No. No, it was wrong. perfect. That was like uh that was almost as
1: good as uh Mike Leach breaking down the Pac twelve mascots. I miss- I saw that, oh, but I dude, didn't it. Dude, you have to, to watch yeah. it. And we'll we'll have to play some of okay. for okay. our listeners. We'll, maybe we'll do that in the yeah, next podcast. Yeah. But it's really funny and it's tremendous. I mean, I wow. wish I would have thought of that.
0: All right. So uh, what would you do if you're a Ryan Day? You know you're gonna win the football game. You go in. I mean, he kept talking on Tuesday about all oh, the mistakes are there, the mistakes are there, the mistakes well, he are there too. And finally, I said, Ryan, come on. You said it four times. Like, what mistakes? And he went to technique and this, yeah. that, and the other. And I get it. And and there's nothing wrong with being a perfectionist and striving for perfection. But you go into this game knowing you're going to win it. You got the Big Ten after that. What would your objective be, if you're Ryan Day, to accomplish against Miami of Ohio.
1: I want to be sharp for two and a half quarters and get up as big as I can. Then I want to get as much experience for other guys as I can. I just need to be sharp and feel good about the performance of my front-line guys. Then when I feel good, when I feel like, okay, that's enough work for today, Mm -hmm. then I start playing other guys. So it's a great opportunity for the uh, backups to get some valuable experience so they will have – That experience and that playing time just in case they're called upon throughout the year. But the first thing I'm looking for is not a letdown, a killer instinct, being sharp, crisp, and fundamentally sound and mentally sound. Once I get that feeling like, okay,
0: that's a good job by my guys. Everybody out. New group in. Uh, This is the second lowest priced ticket on the Ohio State uh, schedule, which tells you what uh, Ohio State knows about this opponent. The uh, reason why Ohio State does not play a Power 5 opponent this year is because, remember when they had the home-and-home home with TCU, and then TCU yeah. asked out for just to play the one game in Dallas, which was supposed to be a neutral field? But I think they were surprised Ohio State fans took over Jerry's world. So that's why um, Miami has lost to Iowa 38-14. That game was 10-7 at halftime. They lost to UC last week, 35-13. Y'all know Ohio State beat UC 42 to nothing. Their only wins over Tennessee Tech, an FCS team. They got a nice little quarterback. He's Blaine Gabbert's little brother. He's a freshman, so he's going to make some mistakes. Uh, but, I don't know, Miami of Ohio, when I was a kid, they were a big-time mm-hmm. program at the MAC level. They got to be a top-10 team several times in the 60s and 70s. And you'll hear on the broadcast on BTN on uh, Saturday at 3.30. Cradle of Coaches. Cradle of Coaches. So I thought, all right, I'm going to look up the Cradle of Coaches. I knew knew some of it. But it is amazing the number of guys in succession that they went through. Sid Gilman, who a lot of people don't know, tell them about Sid Gilman. Didn't Sid Gilman... I don't know. Sid Gilman. I thought, invent you, invent I thought I had kid. an NFL historian <laughs> here.
1: Didn't he invent the forward pass or something? Sid Gilman Remember?
0: pretty much invented the forward pass. All, yeah. The Lance Allworth, San Diego Chargers. Oh, okay. Yeah. The the NFL passing took off because of Sid Gilman. I didn't know he, was, he coached at Miami. He was at Miami for five years. Wow. Then one of his assistants took it for a year. Then it was Woody Hayes for two. Right. Era Parsegian for five. Great
1: Notre Dame coach.
0: John Pont for seven. And you're going, ah, who's John Pont? John Pont went from Miami to Indiana and took Indiana to its only Rose That's Bowl. Right. So if you'd like cred, taking Indiana to the Rose Bowl gives you cred. After John Pont, Bo Schembechler. That's right. After Bo Schembechler, Bill Mallory.
1: Right. Winning, I think, Indiana. was the
0: winningest coach in Indiana history. Maybe Terry Hepner passed him. Not sure about that. Then after Bill Mallory, Dick Crum, and you may not know Dick Crum, but Dick Crum got Miami to number ten and number twelve in the country. He beat Georgia and South Carolina in back-to-back years mm-hmm. in bowl games, SEC teams. Uh, then they had a little bit of a lull. Randy Walker, the North late Randy Walker,
1: Randy Walker was, um, I think, credited to revitalizing uh, Northwestern.
0: And, and basically, Randy Walker brought the spread you to know, college football, the spread offense to the Big Ten in college football. and
1: That's who Pat Fitzgerald took over for yes, after Randy after Walker the passed away. Tragic tragically. Death yeah.
0: Randy Walker. And Terry Hepner, the late Terry Heppner, uh, passed away of brain cancer, six years at Miami, got Miami to number 10 in the country with Ben Roethlisberger. So they've had, and here's some other guys who've gone through there. Uh, Randy Walker's offensive coordinator, a guy named Sean Payton. Um, <laughs> Uh, assistant coach at Miami at one time, guy named Jim Tressel, a uh, guy who played at Wide Miami. Receiver. Two guys who played at Miami, John Harbaugh and Sean McVay. Yeah, so they have a lot of history, but they don't have a chance on Saturday.
1: 1987, I believe they either the right before we went down to play LSU my senior year, mm-hmm. uh, Miami either beat them or. Took him down to the wire. I'm gonna have to we'll have to look that up during the break. Oh, wait a second. During the break, there are no breaks.
0: <laughs> We're getting kudos for no breaks on the pod on the podcast reviews, so that's... we don't want to institute any. Uh, Chuck Martin's the latest guy. He came from Grand Valley State, won two national championships there. It's um, a good guy. Know. Yeah, is he a good yeah. guy. You know, him?
1: he is. He's doing a pretty good job. I mean, he he was rebuilding from scratch, and that's Miami's a place where you have to. When you're rebuilding something, you have to give them time, and and you look at their schedule, right? Who they're playing? Who they lost to? Iowa? Who was the other Iowa one? Iowa and Cincinnati. Uh, Iowa and Cincinnati. They're building for the MAC. I mean, that's why these teams and and uh, play these schools. So they're getting toughened up for their MAC schedule. But the MAC again was pretty, did pretty darn well this week in Eastern Michigan, I believe, formerly the Huron, now the yeah, they, Eagles. They beat. Illinois, Illinois, at the Big Ten, man, lovey, lovey. <laughs> Illinois. I, I don't understand how they how they're not. I know it's difficult. I don't know.
0: To, I Why is it difficult? It, you got players in Chicago.
1: You got players in Chicago. You can't keep them there because Chicago is a central hub, right? So yeah. you think of all the schools that can come into Chicago, Notre not only the, a, from Wisconsin. from from east of Chicago, yeah. but then you start looking west of Chicago, Iowa, Nebraska. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and you got to be able to keep those guys there.
0: Well. Uh, so then next week, let's look ahead to Nebraska. Since you keep your eyes on Nebraska, mm-hmm. your nephew J.D. Spielman's a wide receiver for Nebraska. He's had a nice career so far. J.D. is uh, junior or senior?
1: Yeah, redshirt junior.
0: Redshirt junior. Okay. Adrian Martinez last year. Nebraska gave Ohio State a game in Ohio Stadium last year. Mm-hmm. They missed... Some things that really could have made it dicey for Ohio State. Uh, blew a game at Colorado. They did.
1: I watched that. Yeah, that wow, was, was really awful.
0: disappointing. They were out with 17 nothing at yeah. Colorado and ended up losing the game in overtime. I don't know why Scott Frost tried a long field goal with an unproven field goal kicker there, but he did. They lost the game. Nebraska, your uh, assessment of Nebraska-Ohio State?
1: Uh, much better defensively. Okay, Much better defensively. Better uh, athletes are playing a lot faster offensively, if you look at Nebraska, they have a, a better running game. They're a better overall team. They just have to learn how to finish and learn how to win. They had a nice game. I actually watched half of it against Northern Illinois last week. Northern Illinois is usually a team that's pretty pretty competitive. Adrian Martinez started slow, started the season slow. He's starting to get it and getting a little bit of a rhythm. I think it's going to be a, a nice test for Ohio State. I don't, what I mean by a nice test, if if Nebraska can keep it under 20, mm-hmm. I think that'd be a great effort by Nebraska. Now, it's at Nebraska? It's at Nebraska. That's a great place, nice and a, it's a great experience for the Ohio State Buckeyes. And if you're an Ohio State fan and you have a chance to do a college football game at Nebraska, I highly recommend it.
0: You know who we should get as our Nebraska scout next week is our uh, old friend Woody. from uh, 923, Woody Johnson. Yeah. I wonder if Woody would be allowed to join
1: He'll us. He'll be quite optimistic, I'm sure.
0: I'm not sure he'd be out. He's probably seen Ohio State play. He should be Oh, so he's
1: a realist. He's a Nebraska fan that's a realist? Yes. Okay.
0: That's right. All right. uh, Time for our Flashes of Fun candid comment of the day. Flashes of Fun will take candid shots, take post shots, your senior pictures, very affordable pet pictures. You name it, Flashes of Fun will do it. Find them on Instagram. Flashesofun.com is the website. So Ryan Day made the comment at Indiana – we have mistakes. We need to correct the mistakes without creating resentment. I found that to be an interesting thing. You did. I wondered where it came from.
1: Your antennas went up, didn't it? Yeah, it like, because
0: I like that. Yeah. Uh, so here's Ryan Day, my question, gravelly voice and all, and Ryan Day setting me straight on Ohio State history. You made the comment after the game Saturday that you want to correct without creating resentment. Yeah. Um, Safe to say that's not been a concern of football coaches down through the ages. Maybe some of the ones who coached here, like Woody, Bo, you know, Michigan and others. Like, I wonder where that mindset comes from. You, is that from a leadership thing? Is that from your own experience? Because I actually talked to a bunch of people about Woody Hayes, and uh, he actually, uh, from from what the stories I've heard, is that he didn't create resentment. That he was really hard, but he didn't create resentment, and the players love him. And I think that's really important is, you know, a great coach can make corrections show show someone where they need to improve but then uh, don't belittle them or or make them feel like you know they're inferior because they made a mistake if they're going really really hard here's how you become great and uh, that's really really important and with young kids we have to keep focused as well that's part of this but uh, you know these guys are willing to go hard and it just goes back to the whole thing about love you know i mean do they fear you do they love you and i i think that you know right now our guys love us as, as coaches we love them and and so that's that's healthy, in my opinion. And, uh... He's how, right. How did correct you? He's right, I'm wrong. And what I, mean, I said wrong? Woody corrected, you know, I said Woody wasn't worried about creating resentment. And he said, no, he's talked to people, and Woody's players loved him. And you know what? He's right. As I think back on that, and the, and the players with Woody that I've uh, talked to over the years, I'm sure Jeff Logan would concur with that, Dave Purdy would concur with that. Um, he was very tough, very hard. There were times they got exasperated with him, mad at him, laughed at him, you know, thought he was an old fogey or whatever. But I do think they they loved him. I mean, he did a lot of things for guys off the field. Um, so I think Ryan is more right there than I am.
1: I'm going to bring you back into real town. Okay. I, apparently you've taken over my body, and I'm about ready to take over right, your okay, mindset. Go ahead. Sure. It's impossible to coach a team of <laughs> all the egos that a Division One program has without creating some resentment amongst your players because somebody always get is getting a bad rap. Just because they don't talk about that they have resentment doesn't mean uh, there is no resentment. They don't talk about they have resentment because the coach is a good coach and he's doing it your way and it not, might not have worked out. Ask Tate Martell if yeah. there's some well, resentment. Yeah. Ask any kid that transfers out of here because for whatever reason it didn't work out here. And how many kids with the mindset today um, will look in the mirror and say, well, I was just not good enough for Ohio State or that wasn't the place for me. There's, it's always uh, the I coach got didn't over. like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that's the that's truth. I got screwed over, yeah. So you are not wrong. You are
0: right. You, you, Chris Bielman is telling me I need to be more cynical
1: no, I'm not being cynical. I'm being realistic. No, you are. that you're the mayor of Realtown. But
0: it's just impossible, and this is not
1: an indictment on any coach in the history. My dad coached for 40 years. There's guys that loved him. There's guys that resented him. That's life. That's sports. That's when you have an authoritative figure determining whether you can do play something or not play. If you're not good enough to play or you don't get to play much— there is some resentment that's created over a period of time from a coach to a player. It's the natural order of things. Yeah, that
0: makes sense. That makes sense. Oh, my gosh. Okay, what so is I, happening? You're so,
1: so nice
0: now. It's so just, I fell for that. <laughs> I fell for that hook, line, and sinker. Oh, I can't even believe who I'm talking. But I did not fall Am I for- being punked? Am I being punked somewhere? <laughs> but I did not fall for <laughs> Freddie Kitchen's nonsense. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> about Miles Garrett, who got two personal foul penalties on Monday night. Here's Freddie Kitchen's. This is the biggest bag of garbage <laughs> I've ever heard. That's better, Bruce. About how go. they're going to work with Miles Garrett and where Miles Garrett's penalties come from.
1: Well, on one of them, um, you know, one of them, he had to lower the target range a little bit from what we were told. um You know, and we'll keep keep working at it. I mean, that's the only thing you can do is keep and help him, put him in situations, uh, communicate with him to put him in situations to make better decisions. All right, it's a decision-making
0: deal, and uh, you know he'll still continue to work on uh, his decisions. I
1: couldn't tell you. He did
0: not continue to work on his decisions. He doesn't have time to make decisions in the middle of a pass rush. Like the guy, I wouldn't. I wouldn't tell him to change a thing. He's dominating. He's right on that fine line. Uh, I. I don't think he's at Andamikan Sioux level yet. Uh, the Different one th- position. One thing I would tell him: he did sack Luke Falk once, and then like threw him over like on his head. Now yeah. you can't do that, but like wrap the guy and. I mean, I think Miles Garrett is playing great. You and can't
1: land on a guy. You can't land break, right? on a guy, right?
0: The tre- the Trevor Simeon thing was a tad late, but to take that, I'd rather have that penalty, and whatever's gonna come because he has that mindset down the road, than to take that away and have a guy have him like pull off a guy and then have a guy complete a pass on me. So,
1: yeah, I, I think there's a fine line, and guys are constantly trying to do this. I don't know Miles Garrett personally but I do think that you know as the more he plays the more he watches film the more he studies other guys and what their techniques are you have to be able to avoid some of those penalties moving forward I don't think he wants to get penalties I don't think that's his goal but I do think there's a fine line and it's and it's hard for these players especially a guy like Miles Garrett who's an aggressive guy and a young guy Yes, to figure that out, I think he will figure that out. But you make an interesting point because you have to be careful in the uh, Falcons Vikings game. Uh, I had something come up. I had old Chris, football Chris, come up in a play.
0: He he crops up from time to time.
1: So Matt Ryan is scrambling out. Now,
0: did I tell this story nope. in the podcast? So nope. Matt, Matt nope.
1: Ryan scrambling out. Four Minnesota Vikings are chasing him to the sidelines. They start slowing down because it looks like Matt Ryan is He's, going to run out of bounds. Take refuge, sure. Take, and that's what usually happens, right? Instead, he faked like he was going out of bounds, oh. turned upfield and got another eight yards And those four guys because they were so afraid of getting a penalty or hitting him late. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. So that's on the, a violation of the code. On the air, on the air, I said, that would be the last time that he ever does that. Because the next time he's running to the sidelines, I am taking 15. In fact, I'm calling timeout, bringing the team over, and telling them, take the 15. Because he drew first blood, Johnny Rambo. He he, he drew first blood. He broke the unwritten rule. I don't want to take the first shot. But if he's not going to play by the rules, then I'm taking 15. And if he slides, I'm piling on him. Got to discourage that. Uh, yeah. Uh, and and so good. I got accused of, by some people, and some people support it, but I got accused of being an advocate of dirty play. I'm not an advocate of dirty play. If you're not going to play within the rules, I'm not playing within the rules because you embarrass me, you make me look bad, I'm hurting my team because, hey, if you want to take that shot, you want to do that fake and go up for another eight yards, I'm not blaming you. But don't blame me when I, when I give you a shot across the bow.
0: I wonder if Matt Ryan regrets that
1: in hindsight. I don't think so. Because he knows that he has quarterback protection. Well, they do have that protection. Just, wow. But if and, and if I'm playing, I mean, that's on the game film, right? Yep. That's going to go. And if I'm a defensive coordinator and I say, if he's running, take 15 on him. I'll, I'll, I'll take responsibility. Head coach can fire me or whatever. Take the 15. Well, we'll he'll never do that again. No, you will not.
0: All right. As we wrap up, we always uh, bring either our faith or something family related into the podcast. I want to promote that Friday we'll have Angelique Shinglelis of the Detroit News on the podcast. Michigan has a huge game this weekend at Wisconsin. Good uh, schedule of college football this week. Notre Dame, Georgia. Uh, I know it's like goes against the grain to root for uh, Georgia as an SEC team, folks. But if you uh, if you want to build in a little cushion for Ohio State in the playoff, you want to dispatch Notre Dame, and the easiest exactly. way to do that is to have Georgia beat Notre and Dame. And
1: every other Power 5 conference wants to root for Georgia. Yeah, exactly, yeah.
0: because, you know, SEC's got – right now I'd say, look, we're, we're down to six teams, and we'll talk more about this Friday. Yeah. we got Georgia, LSU, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma. Notre Dame's – an outlier. If Notre Dame's undefeated and they got to win at Georgia, that's a powerful case. Yes, it is. So uh, we'll talk to Angelique uh, more about Michigan and Wisconsin and get into that. But uh, you have something you want to bring out on, uh, on the so, We Tackle I, Life side of the I podcast? I,
1: I have a challenge. One of the most difficult things, I think, for Christians and anybody is tithing, right? We don't want to give away our money. And it's all—it's—it amazes me if you go to churches, and I don't know what your church is like. I've never visited your church, but to see churches that are struggling financially, mm-hmm. especially in affluent areas, tithing should never be an issue. And you know, I ask that everybody, and I challenge everybody, to prayerfully consider. Uh, tithing to God and whether it be your church or whether you're supporting a mission or mission groups or whatever the case may be, I can encourage everybody to um, tithe biblically 10% of your income to God's work as you see fit.
0: Gross income, net income?
1: Uh, I, I would go net income to be honest with you because that's money that you have. That you can control. Uh, I don't know what the um, biblical... St- I don't know if taxes were available when... Uh, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. <laughs> yeah. There were
0: taxes. There so, was
1: tribute. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Gross or net? I don't know.
0: Well, I think it's a hard issue. I do uh, I you. do
1: gross, actually, but <laughs> yeah. I, I think net I, would be fine. That's what we do. That's what I, th- I just and thought I'm, about what I did last year.
0: I would just say that... Uh, and the verse you sent me uh, was uh, from 2 Corinthians 9... Uh, I'm
1: going to read it. Okay. Go ahead.
0: Uh, it, it, I'm sure you've heard before, if you have been uh, in and around churches, you've heard the statement, God loves a cheerful giver. That's right. where it comes from.
1: And a sacrificial giver. Mm-hmm. Give sacrificially, it? yeah. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, Let each man give according as he is determined in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. But I just ask everybody to prayerfully consider... Uh, tithing, and I I can promise you this because it's always worked out for me. Like every time that I live to the the mandate of tithing, and I haven't always done it. and I'm the first one to admit it. I've 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 fallen short. Yeah, I don't like saying that, but I'm not going to lie to you. I've fallen short. But every time that I've lived to the uh, the the biblical principle of tithing. I've always gotten more back in some way that I don't know how that came back. I don't know wh- where it came from or how it came, but it just seems
0: like it came. And so I don't know if you've experienced that. I have experienced it. I hesitate to tell the story because we have a lot of listeners who aren't Christians, and I'm not setting this up, and I know you're not saying give so you're going to get back in, in in the same way. No, I'm just saying
1: that's a, that seems to happen to me.
0: It, it has happened to me, and it does happen to me, and so— <clears throat> First, I want to refer to that scripture. If you continue to read on to the end of that chapter, I just taught on that at uh, Northwest Chapel a couple of weeks ago. It talks about what I refer to as like this circle of blessing where you give, other people are blessed by your giving. Right. They're encouraged by what you did for them. They pray for you. You get the benefit of them being um, your supporters. And it's like this circular thing where, it all, as Chris was saying, it all comes back to you. Yeah. So I'll tell one quick tithing story, which is, it's one of those moments, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, you've all had them, and it's one of those goosebump moments. Uh, years ago, i just gotten divorced. I was still in uh, the house that I'd bought with my uh, ex-wife, um, and I was worried about making it financially. So I was listening to Christian Radio, and they were having their fundraising thing. And uh, they basically said, if you get a blessing out of the program, why don't you pledge $10 a week, mm-hmm. $520? Well, I didn't have... Five hundred twenty dollars I could give because man right. it was tight. At that same time, I uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because I'm getting a blessing. So I pledged to give the five hundred twenty dollars. Within a week, I got a call from a guy uh, approaching me about a freelance writing project, and I thought, okay, yeah, this sounds good. You know, maybe it'll pay me thousand bucks, maybe two thousand mm-hmm.
1: bucks.
0: He said, I got four stories I want you to write. I'll pay you a thousand dollars for each story. Wow. I've got a fifth story I want you to write. I'll pay you twelve hundred for that one. Fifty two hundred dollars. Mm. One tenth of fifty two hundred dollars is five hundred twenty dollars.
1: Isn't that amazing? I mean that's that was a, a great that's story. a goosebump oh goose yep.
0: moment. Yep. And again, we're not saying that'll happen to you because you want you give it, it the It's not is, why you give it, but God loves a cheerful giver. God doesn't love an expectant giver yeah. where you're like, I'm gonna give this, so I'm gonna get back. But it's a hard issue. Uh it's something that you know is uh is an essential part of your maturing in Christ and all that and so um you can
1: still be a little doubtful yet cheerful but yeah. be obedient.
0: Yeah. I mean obviously we're all indebted for what Christ did from, for us at the cross and so it's a part of our indebtedness for yeah. that, that. And and
1: back. and you know evaluate and investigate what you want to give to and something that you believe in or something that you want to be a part of. So that's just, uh, I'm just encouraging everybody to do that yeah. if you can't.
0: Absolutely. Many ministries out there that can benefit from it. Uh, it doesn't yep. have to be in a church. It can be, you know, many things in and, our communities.
1: And one of the ministries is not horse feed for star who's out there. <laughs>
0: Oh, I don't know if they can pick up Star. Star likes to hide behind the uh, trees back there. Okay, but But that's
1: uh, not a ministry. So do not
0: contribute
1: to the Bruce Hooli clean the barn
0: (laughs) ministries. Nope, nope. So that'll wrap this Wednesday edition of the Spielman Hooley podcast. Again, email the show. We have some emails, but we're uh, a little bit over where we like to go. So we'll get to those emails on Friday, and including an interesting email about – Urban and Shelly Meyer being in L.A. this weekend. Urban's there every weekend. I don't know if Shelly's going or not. But the question's a really good question about Urban going back to the Coliseum. For the Fox show. So he'll be in amid all the furor and oh, pageantry nice. of a game on Friday night. So check uh, our re- response out to that email on Friday. Angelique Schengelis will join us. That'll do it for this edition of the spielman Hooly podcast. Thanks for listening, and uh, please review the podcast on uh, iTunes, and uh, we make that easy for you with uh, please review pleasereviewmypodcast.com.